Good morning. All right, good morning, Downtown Hope. For those gathered here and also for our friends and family uh, gathered online, we are excited that we can come together to worship the Lord. Uh, if this is your first time here, whether in person or online, uh, there are connection cards. You can either fill these cards out in, uh, if you uh, find them in the seats. There's also a link on our homepage for you to get connected where you can hear a lot about what God is doing uh, in this city and how we're joining him in partnering uh, with this work of what we see as gospel transformation. God is at work transforming our lives, and we believe that transformation, the gospel transformation, is for the sake of this city, and so we want to live that out. Uh, this morning, as we gather for worship, we are participating in God's gift. Uh, there's this exchange where he's pouring out, and so we respond through worship, through song, through praise, through confession, through the hearing of God's word, through prayer, and also at the table. And so this morning, uh, as we worship, we are joining uh, the chorus in heaven that is forever in all eternity given praise to God. I'd like to invite us to stand on our feet for the collective reading of Scripture as we join body of believers around the world. Our, our reading this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, and the verses will be behind me. Please read along uh, together. Exodus chapter 20, beginning from verse 1. It reads as follows. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Amen. All right, good morning, Downtown Hope. Let's sing the doxology together as we enter into worship. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. My name is Jedediah, and I am so excited to experience the Lord through worship with you guys together today. Please sing.
true love instead of pain there's freedom though you've captured me i've got joy instead of mourning come on there's beauty there's beauty in my brokenness i've got true joy instead of mourning. You give me joy. You give me joy. Down deep in my soul. Let me see those hands. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. You give me joy. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Oh, there's I can't see your faces. 
but I hope you're smiling. God doesn't care if your voice is bad, as long as your heart is there. Come on now, let's worship. You haven't seen. You haven't seen me till you've seen me filled with joy. Come on, you haven't seen me till you've seen me filled with joy. You haven't seen me till you've seen me filled with joy. Joy forevermore. Continue to worship. Keep up the energy, Downtown Hope. I expect you at home are also clapping and standing and smiling. Get off that couch.
gave us his one and only son to save. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Amen. So loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will live and have everlasting life. This is a time in our gatherings in response to God's awesomeness where we pour out our hearts in confession and assurance. We, we can't sing, we can't worship the Lord through song and, and, and think about his love for us without being reminded at times of our mistakes, our sin, the things we've done that are an offense to him, that are offense to others. And so I want to invite us as a gathered body joining believers around this world as we spend time in response to God's gift, confessing our sins, confessing our faults. First John says, if we say we have no sin, we lie. So friends, would you join me uh, as we, uh, not just our individual sins, but as we think corporately as well. And let's spend the next few moments confessing our sin uh, in the quietness of our hearts to the Lord. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry. They're too real to hide and too deep to undo. Forgive us, Lord, this day. Set us free. And may you grant us the grace to trust you all the more. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm praying this in Christ's name. And so, friends, as we've confessed our faults, as we've confessed our sins to the Lord, hear the good news, hear gospel truth. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so as we continue to worship the Lord through song, let us do so resting in the abundance of his grace that has been poured out. We have... Uh, at this time, opportunities for prayer. So whether it's at home, uh, spend this time in prayer gathered in this space. We have friends from our prayer team who are available to pray with you. And if there is something that is in your heart that you'd like to share with our prayer team, you could also make that known through sending us an email at prayer at downtown hope. And as a church body, we've committed ourselves to prayer. And so at nine o'clock each morning, uh, online and gathered here, we spend time, 30 minutes, just praying for the Lord, praying on behalf of this city. But friends, let us rejoice in the good news that has been spoken over us this morning as we continue to worship the Lord through song.
technical difficulties with the words, but I couldn't even tell because y'all were singing so well. So and I, if I could hear you at home, I believe that you're probably singing well too. But I don't think Jesus will be offended if you pull up the lyrics to Great Are You Lord on your phone and sing along with us.
lyrics or not. It's like we've been, you know, kind of isolated in our homes for a year and uh, coming together here. It's just a joy. Thank you for offering your gifts in worship to the Lord. Can we just thank God for these musicians who have led us this morning? You can go ahead and take a seat. My name's Joey, and I just want to remind us that we are a community that is in formation, that is being transformed by the incredible news of the gospel. There is a breath of fresh air that has come from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus, filling our lungs. And it is out of that breath, out of that overflow, that we pour out into our places of work, into our neighborhoods, into our families, into our homes, to demonstrate, to proclaim, to embody this incredible love that has come from heaven to earth. And part of being a worshiping community, part of being a community that is in formation under Christ himself, we've been given these beautiful gifts. And I just want to take a minute to talk about this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Christ, his love, his death on the cross, the power of his resurrection unleashes in the world and to his body across the world these precious abilities that he has given each one of us in this room, those of us who are in Christ. He has activated practical gifts. Some gifts are more tangible. Some gifts are more logistical. Some gifts are more invisible behind the scenes. Some things you can't always see, but he has given each of us gifts. And we are so excited about this next season as a church. We believe actually, even through the pain of COVID, even through the pain of loss that many of us have experienced over this last year, there is a new day dawning. Spring is upon us. And it's going to be an unprecedented season, not just for our local church, but for the church of Jesus Christ across the world to demonstrate and to sing of his glory and his beauty and his wonder. And what that requires for us is to be activated into those gifts that God has given us. And so uh, we're in a season here of rebuilding in a way. Um, We've been apart for a while. We're coming back together. And there's lots of ways uh, that we would want to encourage you to use your gifts in this body in this next season. So if you would just do me a favor, there's a card in the seat in front of you. You can just grab that real quick. Whether you identify Downtown Hope as your church home or not, just if you would just you know, grab it real quick. And I just want to walk us through this for a moment here. Uh, This is something for us to pray over as a church. Those who are here in person, those also who are joining us online, there's a link at the top of our website that you can fill out. And we do this at the beginning of the year, and we do this around fall time each year because we believe in the vision of a church that is activated. What are the gifts? What are the abilities? What are the unique skills that Jesus Christ has given you to offer both inside the walls of this church building, but also beyond into our neighborhoods and into our city. What I'd like you to do is we're going to just take a couple minutes here for you to look over this, read over this. If you feel led to fill this out this morning, you can fill it out. There's pens there, and you can just put it right back in the seat in front of you. Or you can take this this week, and you can pray over it this week. And we want you to pray and ask the Lord, what in this next season, how is the Lord calling me my family to be connected into, involved in the life of this church. And again, if you don't consider Downtown Hope your church home or you're you're not a member here, um, you know, pray for us. If you are, though, you're considering Downtown Downtown Hope your church home, 
you are a member here, we would ask everybody to, to pray. And it's even okay to fill out what you're already involved in, if you're already involved in some things. I just want to highlight three things on here, three specific needs that are big in the body in this season. Um, one has to do with our tech ministry. Aha! <laughs> you know, we're, we're obviously, no, no, this is actually, a, 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 you know, an enigma this morning. But what we are in need of are people who have wonderful gifts with technology. If you can, and maybe you're not even fully technologically inclined, we would love to train you. We have such an incredible team, and we would love to have a team of volunteers who can help out week by week. Um, so that would be a great opportunity to serve this body. Just, hey, once a month, I'm willing to push some buttons and, and click some slides. I'm willing to um, uh, make the, the video available for people online. Um, that would be a huge gift. Um, secondly, under the student ministry, this is uh, Colin, our student director, is doing a wonderful job. And we are so excited to reach students for Christ across our area. And if you have a heart for middle school or high school students, if you would prayerfully consider stepping in to being a leader in this next season, there's a need to form and grow the team. We have students coming here every Sunday afternoon, and we would just love for you to consider, and you can just check off the box there. You're not signing up for anything by checking these boxes, by the way, you're just saying, hey, I'm interested in hearing more. And um, then the last one, and David mentioned it earlier, and I, this is just more of a call to our entire body. In this season, we believe we're called to be a body of prayer. And the simplest and, and, and most uh, encouraging way we can gather together in prayer is every Sunday morning, as David said, from 9 to 9.30. If you make your reservation, you can show up here at 9 and join us in prayer. If you're online or you, if you didn't make the reservation, you can't make it here in person, join us online. You can email prayer at downtownhope.org, and then you'll be added to the list and added to the link. We would love for our entire church to be part of that prayer time because we're so excited about what God is doing through this body and in our city. Uh, so I'd like to pray over this in a moment. I'm also going to pray for Andy, uh, who is one of our planters out at Creek Fellowship across the bridge. He's working side by side with Bobby and, and Becky's part of that team and Judy and others as well. And we're so excited to have Andy bring the word this morning. Um, and so let me just pray uh, for Andy and um, pray as we take time in this season. We're going to talk about these over the next couple weeks. There's not a pressure behind this. This is just to say, what does it look like for you to be part of this body? Please fill this out. Please put them back in the seats. Bring them back. You can put them in the offering box as well. So let me pray over these things together. Father, thank you for what it means to be a local body. Lord, the precious individuals, the couples, the children, the families who are here gathered with us online. Lord, the field before us is wide open. And I don't know if there's been such an occasion in recent history for your church, for you to cause your church to be beautiful and vibrant and to demonstrate and express and proclaim the gospel to our world. And so we need your power from your spirit. We need your presence. And we need you to draw us together, Lord. The singing in this room this morning is an expression of that. May we, may our lives sing like that of your love. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, whether they've been following you for a lifetime or whether they are just here and they're just starting to ask questions. Would your, we pray that your spirit through the truth of your word would convict us and encourage us and strengthen us. And you would use Andy's words this morning. You would use Andy. Thank you for Creek Fellowship. Thank you for the opportunity to be part of planting a church on the Eastern Shore. 
and the team out there, Lord, you're just using them in such incredible ways. So we ask that you would just continue to move among us, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge your presence and your power, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Let's thank God for Andy being here this morning to bring the word. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, over at Creek Fellowship, we are a brand new church that came out of the ashes of COVID, you could say. Um, and we're trying to be an Acts 2 church. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of the bread. And that's what we are focusing on over there. And uh, so thank you, Joey, um, for the introduction, uh, David and the elders for uh, inviting me over here to uh, bring the word of God to the Downtown Hope family today. It is an honor, uh, and it's uh, also quite humbling to be coming over here. I'm just an oceanographer and career naval officer, and yet uh, the Holy Spirit tapped me a few months ago to said, start preaching, and uh, so here I am. Uh, but that's an act of faith, and uh, we're going to talk about faith here this morning. Um, over at Creek Fellowship, we've been working through the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we figure that's a great place to start if you're starting a new church. And I often remind our family over there that the Acts of the Apostles were also written by Luke, who wrote the gospel that we're in here uh, preaching through at, at Downtown Hope. And at the beginning of Luke, he gives a reason for why he wrote his two volumes set. And he said that we may have certainty concerning the things that we have been taught. Luke is giving us an eyewitness account of the things that actually happened back in those days. And because of that, we can have confidence in the words that he wrote. Everything recorded by Luke points to the fulfillment of God's mission through his son, Jesus Christ, which is why we have titled this entire sermon series, Fulfillment. The gospel is a story of fulfillment. Creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. But it's easy for us to get stuck sometimes about halfway through. We see and experience the brokenness and despair around us caused by the fall. No doubt many of you, like myself, have felt the impact of the fallen world through broken relationships, financial hardships, sickness, and even death. But this, life, this longing for, for fulfillment that we have is deep within us. And we all seek it, but often we seek it through other outlets that this world has to offer. Today's passage from Luke chapter 8 points us to the one true source of fulfillment, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you would, let us open God's word. If you have your Bible with you, it's not going to be on the screen behind me. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. 
she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, for she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beauty of this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here in person and online. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word together. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. And I ask, Lord, that the words that I speak will find themselves deep within our hearts and motivate us to the truth of the gospel and to faith in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So when Ju Joey asked me to preach uh, on today's passage of Jairus and the daughter, uh, Jairus' daughter and the, ble uh, the, the bleeding woman, it reminded me of the picture-in-picture -picture function on a TV. You know, that, that capability where you can have one thing going on and, and watch another one at the same time. That's a feature that I never use. I'm the kind of person who likes to stay singularly focused. And visual distractions are my downfall. So I just avoid this picture-in-picture -picture function. But I know that Scripture is different. God's Word is consistent and not distracting. So our challenge is to not get distracted by seeing two different stories, but rather try to focus on the central theme running through both. Drawing on the picture-in-picture -picture concept, there's also a theme within a theme in this passage. The main idea of the text we read is found in verse 48. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Faith is the main theme running through this entire section of Luke. If you've been following along in the daily over the past week or so, you've read the account of Jesus and the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Jesus asked the desperate disciples as he rebuked the wind and the waves, where is your faith? Though the disciples had been walking with Jesus for some time now, they didn't know yet who he was. They asked, who then is this, as he calmed the sea? When they arrived at the shore, 
they encountered a demon-possessed man. And he, or the demons themselves, recognized Jesus as the Son of the Most High. And they begged for mercy. They recognized Jesus, though they had just met him. And they knew that he had power over them. The demons had belief in Jesus, but would not recognize him as Lord. And if we turn to the opening of chapter 9, we see Jesus sending out his disciples into the countryside to preach and to heal, taking nothing with them. He's giving them a practical exam in faith. So we see running through the surrounding texts that this particular text is the cornerstone and it ties it all together. And that that main theme is faith. Within that same verse 48, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace, is also the theme of fulfillment. Jesus, after making the woman physically complete, commands her to go in peace. And this idea of peace or shalom is rooted in the idea of fulfillment. The origin of the word shalom lies in the ancient Jewish concept of unity or wholeness. Like what we see in the Garden of Eden or what we will see in the new heaven and new earth. Jesus, through the pen of Luke, is pointing us to fulfillment through faith. But before I get into the passage, I want to make sure that we're on the same page in terms of the word faith because it can have many different interpretations. Often people associate the idea of faith as something of wishful thinking, or as Merriam-Webster defines it in one of their definitions, a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. But while scripture does not give a definition of faith, we see throughout that faith is belief put into action. James puts it well in the second chapter, verse 18 of his letter. I will show you my faith by my works. I can look at a chair and see that it has three or four legs. I can see that it's pretty solidly built. But until I actually sit in it, I have not demonstrated faith in that chair. In his classic book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis describes, describe Christian faith this way. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, that is Jesus, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. So let's look at the story of Jairus and the bleeding woman and how faith is involved in each. In the opening verse, we see that Jesus was welcomed into the town. Luke is laying a stark contrast with the Gerasenes, the place where Jesus had just left. They had seen the physical Jesus. They heard his identity proclaimed by the demons. They saw his power to transform someone's life, and yet they rejected him. They had evidence, but they did not believe. Let us as individuals and as a church not reject the evidence of the gospel. The Gerasenes had no faith. They didn't even believe. 
Immediately as Jesus and the disciples come into the town, we're introduced to Jairus. He was a prominent Jewish man, a ruler in the synagogue. He must have heard the stories about Jesus healing people in the surrounding towns. And he had a need. His daughter was dying, and he believed that Jesus could help. Jairus acted on his belief and pled for Jesus to heal his daughter. He had faith, but it was weak. And how do we know that it was weak? Jairus believed that Jesus needed to be physically present with his daughter in his house to heal her. If we turn back a chapter, we see the story of the centurion, who Jesus commended for his faith, because the centurion believed that Jesus could heal him without even coming to his house. And Jesus said, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Now, in Jairus, we have a man of Israel with a little faith. But a little faith is better than no faith, and Jesus responds to even a weak faith to grow it. Maybe you've experienced this, like I have. Early in my walk with Jesus, I could only trust small things to him. Later, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus shares a a parable of the minas. And in that parable, he commends us to be faithful in small things. He will meet us there and give us more to be faithful with. We're familiar with the expression, to everyone who has, more will be given. That is a verse about faith. Jairus had a little, and Jesus was ready to give him more. But on the way to the house, we get the picture-in-picture come up on the screen. And while Jesus is walking to help Jairus, the other screen shows us in the crowd a woman lurking and reaching for Jesus. By outward appearances, Luke offers us another stark visual contrast, this time between the woman and Jairus. Jairus would have been dressed in the finest clothing, very clean in his appearance, he would have stood out in the crowd because of his status. But the woman, she had a discharge of blood. She had spent all of her money on doctors, so she would not have had good, clean clothing in all likelihood. And this discharge of blood, it had a significant impact on her status in society. Leviticus 15 is not one of the more pleasant chapters to read in the Bible. But if you go there and you see verses 25 through 30, they specifically talk about a woman in her situation. She was unclean, and everything that she touched and everyone that she touched was also unclean. Think about how we treat someone with COVID these days. We isolate them for 10, 12, 14 days, We spray down everything that they touch or breathe on. We might be close to understanding how this woman had lived for 12 years. Not only that, but unclean did not mean that she was dirty. She might have been. But unclean people were a liability to the holiness of the Jewish people. And they were to be completely cut off from Jewish society. It was amazing that she was even able to sneak in this close to Jesus because she would have been known in the town and everyone would have given her a wide berth. 
but she had faith. If we look at the account of this story in Mark chapter 5, we see that she had heard the reports of Jesus and no doubt believed that he, if anyone, could heal her. She reasoned that if she could only touch his garments, that all would be better. You could say that her faith was big. She believed like the centurion who was commended by Jesus for his faith because she did not think she needed anything special from Jesus just to touch his clothing. Yet her big faith was unfocused. There's no indication in any of the gospel accounts that she actually knew who Jesus was. Yet Jesus met her where she was as he does with each one of us. She was very, and very soon she was going to find out who he actually was. Yes, she received her physical healing, but Jesus did even more for this woman. He gave her an identity in him. Nowhere else in scripture does Jesus address a woman as daughter. This woman who had been alone and outcast for 12 years, was now identified as his daughter. Our deepest desires lie in searching for our identity. And there is no shortage of sin patterns we fall into in that search. We find our identity in careers, kids, cars, clothing, even the unkind words of another. The list could go on and on. Our identity is only fulfilled in Christ. And this previously nameless woman now had an identity. Daughter of the Most High. She was fulfilled through her faith. She could now go in peace in her fulfillment in Jesus. Meanwhile, as we glance over at the other picture, I'm sure that we see Jairus is beside himself. His daughter is dying, and this teacher is spending time with an unclean woman, the lowest of the low. If I put myself in Jairus' shoes, I'm seething at this point. We've got places to go. We've got things to do. And then he gets the report that his daughter has died. Hope is gone. Once again, Jesus meets him where he is. And he exhorts him in verse 50, only believe. Prior to this, I imagine Jairus is hurriedly leading Jesus along to his house. But now he's frozen in grief and unbelief. Jesus knew that Jairus's faith was at a low point now, but he reached out to him and reminded Jairus to believe. And then Jesus led him in obedience to his house when he couldn't do it himself. A little over three years ago, Becky and I were on a small island in the Florida Keys helping friends with their hurricane-ravaged home when we got a phone call that our daughter had been in a motorcycle accident. She was being life-flighted to Maryland shock trauma. At that time... Jesus reached down in our despair and reminded us, I love her more than you do. Just like Jesus was telling Jairus, I love your daughter 
more than you do. Just believe. And that is what we did. We believed that truth of his love and walked step by step, day by day. Just like Jairus walked, hesitant step by hesitant step. We do not know what happened to Jairus or his daughter in the long run. I can imagine that his faith grew through this experience. We do not know if his faith was fulfilled in Jesus. It would be a safe assumption, but scripture does not say. I know in our situation, we could only walk in faith following Jesus as he led us in the trial with our daughter. True fulfillment can only be found in him. As the chorus of the old hymn says, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So what do we do with this? As I said earlier, there are two active components to faith, believe and obey. It doesn't matter whether you profess to be a follower of Jesus or not. We all struggle with belief in the gospel. No doubt the lordship of Jesus, we, we doubt the lordship of Jesus in some part of our lives. We like sitting on our own throne, even if it's just a small t throne. What is the truth that you are denying? What is the doubt that you have? How do you expose it or overcome it in your life? There is no magical solution or special prayer that you pray, and voila, you are now complete in your faith. The answer, I believe, is found in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There is a mysterious partnership of me seeking and God finding. In my experience, my doubts and unbeliefs are exposed and overcome through two avenues. God's word and community. The Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will expose you to your unbelief, and it will also point you to the truth. But you must open it, and you must consume it. As Paul wrote to Timothy in uh, his second letter, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Part of the mystery of how God works in us is that he speaks to us through his spirit, spirit by the words on these pages. When we got the word about our daughter, we had nothing to grab onto but the promises that were contained in this book. We knew that God loves her more than we do. Because of God's word, we had confidence that she belongs to him and that his plans are perfect, regardless of our feelings and emotions. That confidence allowed us to walk in obedience and faith back home from the keys and through her recovery 
just as Jairus walked to his home and his daughter's recovery. But the walk of faith isn't about the outcome. It is about trusting Jesus in the walk. God also works in us through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Being a follower of Jesus is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. And we need each other to speak the truth of Jesus into our lives to expose the unbelief and to encourage, to teach, to correct, and to rebuke if necessary. I know in our times of trouble, it has been our brothers and sisters who stood with us and pointed us to the truth in God's word. And it got us through our doubts. If you want to tackle unbelief, be in the word and be in fellowship. God will provide through your obedience. The second part of living by faith is to obey or to act. Just as the true Christian life is not an individual sport, it is also not a spectator sport. It is, if Jairus and the woman had simply intellectually acknowledged Jesus and the power that he had, but not acted, where would they have been? A disciple is not one who simply has knowledge, but is one who follows, who obeys. In his great commission, Jesus tells us to make disciples by teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In the Greek, that word for observe is in the active voice, which means that Jesus expects his followers to do and not just know what he taught. Our salvation is by grace alone, through faith, which is fulfilled by believing and doing, believing and obeying. So what is Jesus asking you to be faithful with? What is he asking you to trust in and to act in that trust? Wherever you are, he is reaching his hand out to you, asking you to get up and come with him. Will you have the belief of the Gerasenes but lack faith and reject Jesus' invitation? Or will you have the belief of Jairus and the woman and put it into action through faith? Will you be fulfilled through faith and fi shalom as they did? I urge you, stop seeking fulfillment in anything but Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and for how your spirit has been here present with us this morning. Father, I just ask a simple prayer for all of us. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help us to walk in faith in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andy. We're going to take some time now as a family as we do each week to partake in the Lord's Supper. So our servers will be passing out the elements to you. Um, they're in these nifty little combination packs. I'll say the top is a little hard to get the, uh, the wafer out. So just be patient with yourself. There's time for this. And if you're joining us at home, you can now um, grab a loaf of bread, grab a cup from the kitchen, and serve your family, those who are around the table, uh, your friends who maybe you're uh, worshiping together with.
Andy, thank you for that word. And it's, it's a tough reality that uh, we don't have control of the outcomes of life. The Lord is sovereign and in charge over all things, but he calls us to faith. And I love that picture of faith. I love that I can see the chair. I know it's there, but until I sit in it, sitting in it is the demonstration of the belief for the faith. So the, the outward action is not what the faith is, but it is the proof or the expression of our faith. And I think this is an incredible challenge as we come to the table this morning to think about this. Jesus did not just come into the world in theory. He came into the world in flesh to lay his life down on the cross, resurrected from the dead. And so he didn't just come trusting his father, but he, his life demonstrated the faith that he had. That's what he calls us to. And he left us this, this meal to, the, to partake in each week that we partake in with one another here online and our brothers and sisters across the world. First Corinthians 11, Paul lays out what the Lord had given to him. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. such a gift each week to come to this table and partake together. It nourishes our souls. God's presence is here with us through his body, through his blood for you. So I'd love to pray for us as we continue in worship through song this morning, this last song together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of faith. Faith comes from you. Jesus, thank you for embodying a perfect faith. Thank you that when our faith fails, when we doubt, when we struggle, you do not push us away, but you come closer to us. You draw us in deeper. You call us, Lord, to yourself. You give us power through your spirit to take action. And we pray that we would be a people, Lord, in every circumstance of life, no matter how hard life gets, no matter what illness or loss we face, no matter what joy or beauty we experience, that we would be a people who are sitting in that chair, so to speak, who are believing in the fullness of who you are. We intellectually know, we see you, we, we, we have this incredible truth that comes through Scripture, but we're also a people, Lord, who take action, who sit in the chair, Lord, who express our faith through obedience. And we trust and we know that you're the one who can cause us to do that. The pressure is off of us. It's not our works that save us. It's 
to your work on the cross. So we sing to you now, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me, and let's sing this last song together. In the absence of our slides, our man Luke passed out lyric sheets, and I think that's rather fortuitous. I think a lot of times we just sing songs and like, nice lyrics, but No Longer Slaves is directly out of the scripture. This is Romans 6, 5 and following. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, that's his Christ, in Christ's death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So let's sing the scripture together.
Is it this afternoon? It's this morning still, isn't it? <laughs> what time is it? It's just a joy to be together in worship this morning. Worship for us is not just what happens. We say this every all the time. It's not just what happens for this hour during the week. This is an important and critical part of our worship. We come together. We get filled up. But we go out into the world to worship our King. What you put your hand to tomorrow morning in your vocation is an occasion to worship our Father in heaven with everything that you are. Part of our formation in Christ also is worship through giving. Uh, we talked earlier about giving through our practical gifts, using our talents. We also give financially to the work of Jesus through this local church. And we are so thankful for your generosity. For those who are new to our church, for those of you who are just getting the mix, we practice something called first fruits giving. It's a very simple biblical principle that as God provides for us, we offer a first portion back to him and then we live on the rest for his glory. Our prayer, our goal as a body is that everybody who considers Downtown Hope their church home would be part of giving of their time and their resources to the work of Jesus through this local church. Again, it's not out of obligation. It's out of what Christ has done for us. And the Lord has been so faithful to provide for his work and he will continue to do so. And we just want to continue to encourage you in that. Finally, before we go, I want to invite uh, my dear brother Craig and his wife Anne up here to the front. Um, if you remember last fall, and you may remember this, you may not, because we were all on lockdown and everything, um, we do elder nominations every week. The Church of Jesus is led by local leaders, um, incredible men of God, um, servant leaders who are to be at the tip of the spear, who are to lay their lives down in service to the body. And Craig was nominated, and we as a team have vetted, um, uh, interviewed Craig and Ann, and um, he, has, uh, he has agreed and is desiring to move forward in that process. And so what our process is here is for the next 30 days, um, many of you know Craig, maybe you've gotten to know him, um, we just want to bring his name before the body, his face. He doesn't have a mask on here, so you can see him. And, um, and, and give us any feedback you have, positive feedback. Um, you know, let us know your heart, you know, your affirmation for Craig. And then our prayer is that um, over the next couple of months, we would install him onto our team of elders. So just want to bring him before the body here. And just grateful for both of you, your involvement in the body. Um, have been dear friends for years. And I'd love just to pray us out and pray for Craig um, in this time of affirmation. Lord, thank you so much for what it means to be a family, a family that's on mission, a family that's sent to the world this week. And I pray for each one of us that you, that we would leave here empowered by your spirit, invigorated by your love, to, to glorify you, Lord, to, to do the best work for your name's sake this week, to love the people around us, to lay our lives down for the poor, Lord, to see the outcast, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, thank you for Craig and for Anne and for bringing them to Downtown Hope. And we pray just over these next 30 days, you would really confirm what he and Anne have felt in their heart and what we have affirmed as a team. Lord, that you would bring him onto the elder team to use the unique gifts you've given him to serve and to help lead this body. And we pray you would send us now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. We'll see you this week and next Sunday.